Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song?
Boys and girls, come on up front. It is time for the kids' message. Make your way on up front here. Come on up. Well, you might be wondering why I'm dressed like this. But today, we are meeting a new character of the Christmas story who's really just kind of an average Joe. So any idea who this character of the Christmas story might be that we're going to meet today? Any ideas? He's really not all that well known. We don't know a whole lot about him. He's not really in the spotlight of the Christmas story. It's Joseph. Joseph. Jesus' earthly dad. And you know what? He's really an average Joe. We don't know a whole lot about him. But we do know that he was faithful to do what God asked him to do. So let's look in Matthew and see what we can find out about Joe or Joseph. All right? Well, it says, Joseph was faithful to the law. So, you know what? God used Joseph, even though he was just an average, everyday guy. And let's see how God used him. So, Joseph was engaged to be married to Mary. and But, you know what? She was found out to be pregnant with baby Jesus. And he could have he divorced her, called off the marriage, right? Called off the wedding. But he didn't. But he was planning on it. And then it says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Whoa. So God spoke to him through an angel in his dream. And you know what? It says when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. So Joseph heard from God, was faithful, listened, and obeyed. And then we know that that Mary gave birth to Jesus, and the wise men came, the magi, the wise men came. And then it says, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph again in a dream. said, get up, take this child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Whoa, Herod was going to kill baby Jesus. And an angel appeared again, told Joseph to get up. It says, so he got up took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. So not only did he do what God told him to do, but he didn't even wait till morning. He didn't fall back asleep and say, I'll do that when the sun comes up. He got up during the night and left for Egypt. And it's not like he just got in a car, stopped, got some gas, got some coffee to make the drive, right? He had to pack up a donkey, maybe tear. Yes, it was, it was difficult. But he got up in the middle of the night and did it. And so he moves to Egypt, and then it says, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream again to Joseph while he was in Egypt. It said, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So you know what Joseph did? What do you think he did? He got up and did it. That's right. He took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And like I said, it wasn't just a quick, easy trip. So it probably took a couple days, because then it says... Having been warned in a dream again, so when he was sleeping, God told him, warned him, don't go back to, to Israel, go to Nazareth. And so he did. Isn't that amazing that because Joseph was faithful to do the simple things that God asked him to do, well, maybe they weren't easy things, but Joseph did that, and God used him in mighty ways to make prophecies or these predictions about Jesus come true, and also to keep Mary and baby Jesus safe. So you know what? 
we're kind of like Joseph. We're average Joes, everyday people, aren't we? And God can use us in mighty ways too as we listen to him and do what he asks us to do. So we think about our relationships. Well, none of us are going to be Jesus' earthly dad, are we? But we're sons or daughters. Maybe we're brothers and sisters, right? Classmates of people. And God wants to use us in those relationships in mighty ways to share his love with people. And if we think about where we live, God may not ask us to pick up and move to Egypt. In fact, he probably won't. But he does have us living in a certain neighborhood right now. And he wants to use us among our neighbors, our friends, those we live around, to share his love with them this Christmas season. Isn't that awesome? That God wants to use us, average Joes and average Janes, in everyday, in our everyday lives to share his love with people. So will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands and you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for coming to an average family to rescue my family. Help me to praise you through my everyday life. Amen. All right, boys and girls, thanks for coming up. And as the kids make their way back again, I want to welcome you uh, to a time of worship. This Advent season is just beautiful. We're preparing for Christmas. We're preparing for the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind. It's a, a gift that has changed the course of human history. Uh, again, want to welcome everyone, our guests, whether you're in the house or online. Thanks for coming. And we'd love for you to come back. In fact, in fact, we have our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services coming up. So this Christmas Eve, which will, will be Saturday, we have service times at 11, 3, and 5 here. And then we're going to go over, some of us, to Skylar at 7 o'clock, and we will have a service there. So whichever one uh, works for you, we'd love for you to come to those. Um, and on the way out, we're going to challenge you. All right, we're going to give you some little tickets that, you know, just give to family or friends. Invite them to come, because we want them to know this story too, the story that has changed the course of human history. So if you would, take a couple of these, give them to whether it's family or friends, coworkers, classmates, people who need to hear this story, um, and, and give them the ticket, and maybe even bring them with you. Pick them up, bring them here. Let them hear the story of God's love. So that's going to be Christmas Eve. Christmas Day, we're going to gather together at 9 and 11, hear the Christmas story, sing some Christmas carols, and just be reminded of what God has done for us. Now, uh, just a little reminder connected to Christmas, we, had the, we have the giving garland, and a reminder, if you have a gift that is uh, to be returned today, if you could, if you're thinking like, oops, tomorrow by 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, uh, bring it to the church office, and we will make sure we get it to those, those kids who will be blessed by that. Um, and one last announcement, just so you know, is beginning January 1st, it's actually a Sunday, we're going to do The Chosen Season 2. And we're going to preach on that, look at the, the Gospels and what it tells us about this Jesus and how he connects with people like you and me. So be thinking about that as you start a brand new year, maybe a brand new discipline of coming every week to hear God's word and to be encouraged in your faith and life with him. And then finally, uh, we're going to be having the joy baskets fast, uh, passed out, and we say this every week, 
God has blessed you and me, all of us, with different blessings. And he wants us to say thank you in return. And we could do it in so many different ways. I was listening to all of us singing. That's just a beautiful way to do that. Um, I see some of you serve and use your gifts and abilities. That is beautiful. But God calls us also to, to give of our financial resources as he leads us. So I'm going to pray that God would lead us in whatever way that we would be faithful in saying thank you to him. Again, Lord Jesus, you gave the greatest gift of all. You came to this earth. You gave your life to be our Savior and our friend. And on top of that, you've given us blessings, um, too many for us to even count. And we want to say thank you. May we do that with our lives. May we do that with all that we do to show how thankful we are for the blessings you've given. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shepherds and the wise men and the hay. There's Joseph and his Mary looking down at heaven's birth. The angels saying, Don't you be afraid. Makes me stop and think about how you showed up down here in a home bed made of nails and wood. Could have picked a palace, something so fit for a and the story wouldn't be as good From the highest of the high To the lowest of the low The story tells the distance And the distance you will go For the lonely and the lost There's no sinner too far gone To find a savior Sky called all the least of these. Come make your way to where your hope is found. If I'm honest, some days I feel too far out of reach, but the manger reminds me love reached down. From the highest to the high to the lowest of the low, the stable tells the story of the distance you will go. Too far gone to find a
Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the Beautiful song, beautiful reminder of what God has done for people like you and me. Uh, he has such a love for us that he was willing to send his son. And one of the other gifts that God has given us is the gift of Holy Communion. What a beautiful, beautiful expression of love where he has given us bread, wine, body, and blood for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be reconnected with him again. And what we've been doing probably for the last six months now is we've been sharing a profession of faith where we profess what we believe about our sinfulness, about our Savior, about this meal, and then about our desire to live in a way that's pleasing to him. So if you would, join together with me as we share this profession out loud. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament and under the form of the bread and wine. I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. I resolve to dedicate my life to the service of my Lord in and through his body, the church, by regular group worship, study of God's word, cheerful giving, thankful living, and sharing the gospel with others. Amen. And again, one more reminder for you to hold on to. God loves you so much he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of this meal. That's the message what, that God wants you and me to know today, tomorrow, and forever. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. And may God bless us as we receive this precious gift because of his love for us. Amen.
Now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life, for ministry, for mission, all for the glory of God. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Let us pray. Good morning, Father. We rejoice in your presence as we bring our prayers to you from our 1C family. We pray for the family of Tressa Mackin with the loss of a daughter, a mother, an aunt, and a friend. I pray for my peers at SOS, my family, loved ones, kids, myself, and Ashley and her kids, and for all of them out on the streets. And I pray for the staff at SOS. Prayers that I remain sober and my kids are safe, and that I find a church home 
in the area when I leave SOS. For my best friend, he finds his way back. Prayers that he finds peace and forgiveness in himself and others as he struggles during this dark time. Help me pray that he finds his true value so that he can find your true purpose for him. Finally, Father, favor and blessings to the sweetest two-year-old, our precious grandson. May you always have a heart for Jesus and his people. We love you so much, Malcolm Douglas Noonan. Happy second birthday, sweetheart. Gracious God, your blessings are never ending. Even when we sin and fall short, your grace, mercy, and love never changes, never leaves or forsakes us. All because of your son, Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If I were a rich man, all night long, I if I were a wealthy man, uh, but I'm not. I'm a woodworker. I'm I'm a carpenter. Not just any kind of carpenter. I'm a master craftsman. My name's Joseph. I come from the, the line and the lineage of David, which is a proud heritage, one we just hold on to, one that we embrace. But as just as much as I'm known for my lineage and my craftsmanship, I'm also known for asking questions and having opinions. Let me take you on a journey. It happened a long time ago. Um, I had questions. I had opinions. I had lots of emotions as I went through life. I start out with the, the exclamation of, God, I just don't get it. You know how I'm wired. I have everything figured out. I square everything off. I follow the plumb line. I measure twice and only cut once. And I love to know the plan. I mean, I want to see the plan. I want to follow the plan. And I don't want any sudden changes. The plan. And it was a plan actually put together by families. I was engaged to be married. Married to this young, pretty little girl named Mary. We had a plan to be to be married, we had a plan to have children, all in that order. And even after the angel got my attention in that dream, I struggled. 
Now, did I miss something, God? I, you know, I, I think I understand the scope. I understand what you're trying to do. I understand that this long-awaited Messiah, the one for generations have been waiting for, is going to come. But I, I see a little bit differently than you. I mean, I picture Jerusalem. I picture a temple. I picture the priests. I picture people gathered together to watch, to celebrate a pageant, a parade, um, food for sure, because that's what you just do. If not, why not? It doesn't make sense the way you're doing it. And then Mary. I mean, why not a midwife? How about that midwife placing this little baby boy in my arms? What about family and friends and neighbors all coming together celebrating? You can hear the laughter. You can hear the joy. You can hear the excitement. I mean, it's just a party. Not the way I would have planned it. The way you did it. My child, born in a stable. Cave, donkey, sheep, hay, straw. No midwife for Mary. No bed to rest her aching back. And then I take this blanket that was put over my smelly, stinky donkey, roll it up so that she has something to put her head on. This doesn't make sense. This is just not the way that I wanted my son. Wait a minute. God, I did it again. I know you understand. Um, it's not my son, it's your son. It's not my child, it's your child. It's not my plan, it's your plan. But even as I sift through this, I still think it's a strange way to save the world. Sure, he must have been surprised that where this road is taken. 
relate to Joseph. Uh, when I jump into that story that was about 2,000 years ago, I do lock in on Joseph. Uh, if you talk to Kristen, she knows I like to plan. I plan. I plan my plans. I'm way out there. And Kristen, as you know, is a little bit more relaxed with things. But I have so many questions. I will sometimes have very strong opinions. So I can feel for this person named Joseph. It is a strange way to save a world. It is kind of a topsy-turvy way. Um, but
But can you relate to what happened with Joseph? Just, again, he had this path planned. I mean, he's thinking, and all of a sudden, he finds out what the scripture says, that Mary is pregnant. He doesn't know much yet. He doesn't, didn't have an angel come and tell him anything yet. But it's disturbing. It's troubling. And this is where I hope you can connect with, because I do believe there are times in our lives when we, we're going this way, and all of a sudden, life takes us this way. And we feel yanked. So let me walk you through a couple of those um, bits that Greg read earlier already. But remember what happened with Joseph, right? He finds out that Mary's pregnant. Now, he really has two options according to him. One of them is the Mosaic law that says she could be stoned. That's one. But the other option, which in his view was a little bit more compassionate, I will divorce her privately. I'll take care of business, and I don't want to put her through the ringer. But then we find this moment where God has a different plan. He's got plan three, and this plan is going to usher in this Messiah in a beautiful, profound way. So let's walk through and see some of these scriptures. Here we have verses 20 and 21, Joseph, son of David. Here's the angel speaking. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then we go further. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now remember, we talked about it week one of Christmas characters, right? Zechariah, God had been silent for 400 years. No angels, no prophets. I mean, there was nothing coming apparently from the mouth of God. But if you go back even further, we're talking 4,000 years where God made this promise that said, I'm going to do something about sin and I'm going to fix things and it's all going to be okay. So for 4,000 years, they were waiting and waiting and waiting, and then we get these words to Joseph. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, don't blow by the next passage. It says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Uh, during the study portion of the sermon, um, I came across a commentary that talked about this verse in specific. And this is what they said. And, and I put it in um, all capital letters so that you can just see it. This was immediate obedience to a difficult mission. He woke up and he did it. Yeah. You know, we don't know a lot about Joseph. Yes, we hear that he was a righteous man. That's really good. But just picture, if you would, the, the change of direction, the challenge that was but before him. I mean, I have buckled under a lot less challenges at times. So here's Joseph, who has been given a very special and remarkable faith to take on this mission. Now, if you rem remember, this is kind of a phrase I use a lot. What we believe about God will dramatically affect how we view life and how we live life. 
And I think Joseph was embracing the truth about who God is. But there was a name for God that was used by the angel for Joseph to grab hold of. Anybody know what that name was? Anybody remember? Kind of a Christmassy name. Say it out loud if you remember. Emmanuel. Don't blow by that word either. Because that word has such meaning, such significance. It changes lives for eternity. And Joseph was hit with that as part of the message. And then I was thinking, well, let's go back in time. Because there have been a whole host of people from, we'll say, Genesis, all the way through Revelation, of people who had a difficult mission, but also knew something that was really important. So here's a big, long list of just five of them. But just go through it. Remember Noah. God said, build a boat, not just a boat, but an ark. He didn't just say, build an ark. He says, all right, get all the animals, get two of each, and put them into the ark, and that's it. That's it? A difficult mission. Now, why was it that Noah was able to embrace this difficult mission? Because he knew Emmanuel. I want you to get used to that, because I'm going to be doing this a couple more times. And I want you to say it out loud. And eventually, when we get to the last one, I'm expecting and hoping that all of us will say Emmanuel. So why don't you try it right now? Just humor me. Emmanuel. All right. Uh, we have the story of Abraham. Another story. Remarkable story. God takes him outside and says, look up at the stars. You know what? You're going to have descendants more than that. Now, the difficult part of this mission is he's already old and he doesn't have any children. So how is this going to happen? He believed because he remembered, okay, I think you're getting it. Uh, the next one is Moses. All right, here's Moses. God calls him to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. Now remember for 430 some years, they were slaves under the most powerful ruler and country and nation at the time, and it was Egypt. And Moses was supposed to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. 99 out of 100 times it doesn't go well when you go to a, a person like Pharaoh and you make a demand like that, your life is whatever. But Moses decided to listen and be obedient to this very difficult mission because he knew, all right, Gideon, maybe the least known of the group that I've given so far, uh, maybe because he came from a very small little clan. He wasn't really well known. He didn't have a lot to him. I mean, he was not much of anybody. But God called Gideon to take the children of Israel and their army and to go into battle. Now, here's how it started. The Israel army had 32,000, and the other army had 135,000. So even at the get-go, it didn't look good. But God, just the way he is, he always likes to do a lot with a little. If you just ever notice that, it's kind of a consistent thing that he does. So through fleeces, and I'll get into that another time, God takes the 32,000, brings it down to 300. And 300 is going, now going to go into battle against 135,000. Why was it that Gideon believed that they could do it? Because he knew, very good. And now we get Joseph again. 
I mean, he's at this crossroads of his life. He has the world in front of him. Um, a curveball gets thrown, and he stays the course. Why? Because he knew. And that's the word I want you to think about as we turn the corner in Advent and move towards Christmas. I want this to be in the crosshairs of your life. This name, Emmanuel, and what it means. Because all too often, because of life circumstances like Joseph, we could so easily get distracted and forget one of the most important things ever. And it is what? All right, Emmanuel. So just picture, walk with me. Um, you're sitting in the emergency room, and your loved one was rushed in, and you don't know what's going to happen. You have no idea. You have your fears and worries and concerns. But what will make a difference for you? What will give you strength and peace and hope, even when it may look kind of dismal? We need to remember what? Very good. Or how about you are, um, well, either in a, lawn, a very manicured lawn on a cemetery or let's just say maybe snow and cold, you never know here in Nebraska, but you're standing at the gravesite of somebody that is like your right arm. I mean, you've been connected to them for a long time and you love them and they are now not with you anymore and you are grieving and hurting. What will get you through moments like that? What do you need to remember? Manuel. Or how about this? You are sitting at a restaurant. And you're sitting alone and you're looking out over the restaurant and you see a family over here and a couple over here. And there's like four or five people sitting over here. And you just feel the pain. Because you're looking at Christmas coming up and you have nobody to be with. In a moment like that, what could give peace and comfort? What, what do you need to remember? Uh, you're going through the, the year, and some test results came back, and they were a little funky. And the doctor has some kind of concern, uses the C word, cancer, and you're just waiting to find out what it, does this all mean. Life is taking a sudden turn, and you're just feeling the weight of the world. What is it, or who is it, that we can think about that will give us comfort and peace in a moment like that? Through the small face of the stable-born baby, God says yes. Even though the world is kind of crazy, but that's what we get to focus in on this time of the year. This little baby born in Bethlehem about 2,000 years ago in a way that we would not have done it, in a way that most likely was a little disturbing for Joseph and a little unknown for Mary. And yet, God does some great things. He says yes. Here's the list of yes. Yes, your sins are forgiven. And don't let anyone tell you differently. I, I find that the, the enemy himself will come to me and say, oh, I'm not so sure about the extent of God's love, and can he really forgive that? And the answer is yes. Remember, the grace of God is greater 
than all sin. Hold on to that. When you see that little baby in that little stable manger scene and you're looking at that, remember that's God's yes saying, I have taken care of your sin and you don't have to hold it anymore. It is done. Signed, sealed, and delivered. He says, yes, your name is written in heaven. You have hope, you have peace, you have everything you need because of what Jesus did. Yes, death has been defeated. Yes, God has entered. Now, I put specifically the word your, because don't make it generic. Yes, he came into the world in Bethlehem, but he came into your personal world. One of the things I love about him is he is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He knows you, and he's with you, and he's with me at the same time. So when we say God with us, he really means he is with us. It's not just some fuzzy idea that Hallmark wanted to make so that we can have a nice card. It is a truth that is unlike any other truth. Emmanuel, God is with us. My prayer for all of us today and tomorrow and until we get to heaven. See, when we get to heaven, we will experience the ultimate Emmanuel. We will not have the distractions that we have on this earth. But until then, may he keep putting himself in front of you. May you see him as he is. One who loves you. One who says, I'll be with you. Even if life takes a sudden turn, I'm going to be with you. And may that give you the peace of God, which passes all human understanding. And may it keep and guard your hearts. In Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's stand. Let's now share together the Apostles' Creed. What a beautiful summary of who God is, this with us God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let's share this together out loud. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
everybody go in peace and serve the Lord.
said the little lamb to the shepherd boy do you hear what i hear ringing through the sky 